ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show, 8 o'clock hour in studio. Joining me now, assistant coach for Louisiana Rage and Cajun Baseball, Cajun Lifer, the Mr. Anthony Babineau, Coach Bab in the house. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, I want to talk a lot of college baseball with you, Cajun baseball with you, but, you know, b- b- I'm seeing Coach Deggs, and Coach doesn't tweet a ton, but usually when he does, it's specific to just his job, Cajun baseball, in some way, shape, or form. And he was quote-tweeting some former Cajuns and what they were doing in the minor leagues. Someone called me Monday and was like, can you tell me how all the guys are doing in the minors? And I just said, I can't. Like, I don't don't follow it like that. Like, I can't tell you exactly where they are. I remembered – where Hogan was, and I remembered where um, Todd Lott was, but I couldn't remember where every guy was currently. And then Brad Topham, always the the studious one, and you know, throwing me a lifeline, sent me a rundown of where all the guys, all Raging Cajun alums, currently were right now. Um, I was going to say, I hope you got some help and not right, counting right. on me no, to no, no. answer that question <laughs> either. Looking at me in the face I, like, I, I, what's, uh, what's going on? Don't yeah, do it. Don't like, do next it. Next question. <laughs> um, Todd Lott uh, with AA Springfield and the Cardinals. Brandon Young, AA Bowie and the Orioles. Uh, Spencer Arigetti, uh, High A Asheville, the Asheville Taurus. I've been to a few Asheville games, by the way. Uh, as part of the Astros, Hogan Harris, uh, the Lansing Lugwigs. That's High A with the uh, A's. Logan Stelke, High A Greensboro with the Pirates. And then Connor Cook, uh, single A Dunedin with the, uh, with the Blue Jays. How often do you... Do you, are you able to pay attention to it? Because I imagine as a coach, especially during the season, you're you're locked in. Like, is it kind of a deal where when a guy gets elevated or a guy does well, you you guys talk about it a little bit? Like, how how closely are you able to follow some of the players that come through the program when they're going through? Which I mean, it's it talk about a battle trying to get from the minors into the majors. Only three percent of those guys get up to the majors, right? Well, it's tough to, you know, during the season, it's tough to, which is when these guys are playing, it's tough to follow them just because of how involved our season is and what's involved with with our season. Obviously, you know, if they make a move, if they get promoted, you know about it because you see it on social media or, you know, one of the players, our players keep up with them a lot, a lot more than we do, believe Mm -hmm. it or not, just because they're, you know, constantly on their phones and, and into that type of stuff and, and read a, read up a lot about the minor league system and and pay attention to it follow it we we have a lot of other things going on and and like i said we we find out about it whenever guys get promoted or when something like this comes up when when the media asked we'll we'll do some digging but you know during their see it's just it's so tough to keep up with those guys because of everything that's going on but i know that the guys that are out there especially a few of them are doing really well so just 
very proud of the, the you know the alumni that we have that are still playing professional baseball the guys that have made it all the way up to the big leagues and you know guys that are going to get an opportunity at the end of this season very yeah. excited for those young men as well and um last i, I i'm not i know um steven sinsley with high valley renegades maybe um there's probably a few guys i'm i'm leaving out that i mentioned but has there ever been a guy that came through UL that went to the minors and you're like, not going to last long. And then maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. Someone, let me just ask it like this. Someone that lasted longer than you expected to or, or went to a high level that you're like, you know what? I, it's, it's, it's grit. It's all of it. Or if, if, if you ever, you always feel like your guys are going to do it. Well, you always feel like your guys for the most part are going to do it. Now, Guys that get drafted, not all of them. Well, every guy that gets drafted, I guess the scout that drafts them, they have some tool that projects at the major league level, whether it be their speed, their arm strength, their power. You know, a guy like you mentioned, Steven Sinsley, just a few seconds ago. All right. His power, no doubt, projects at the big league level. Now, will he make it there? I don't know. Like you mentioned, it's very, very tough. Very, very tough to make it there. Will he be able to, you know, hit enough? We know he's got enough power. He's got just as much power now as those guys that are in the big leagues. Right. But can it translate into consistency offensively and and things like that? Other guys, really good with the glove. Will they hit enough to make it there? You know, see, you just never know. Um you know, to answer your question, you got guys that hung around longer than maybe I, I thought they would have. You don't really look at it, at least I don't. I don't really look at it like that. Like, man, I, this guy will never make it. You know, sure, no, yeah, I, I don't that. look at I it like that. that. You but know, you might look at it and say, it's a tough road to climb because you were you were drafted all the way back here. So while I know how good you are, teams are going to look at you more as we just need players out here to help us develop the guys that we right there's no doubt that some guys are drafted as fillers because there's so many now there's not as many now minor league teams because they've reduced them since you know 2020 and and everything that has happened so they don't need as many fillers nowadays but some guys were drafted merely as fillers and, and guys that were just ready to start a professional career and and leave college and when those guys very rarely make it because they weren't drafted with the intention of of getting to the big leagues in the first place. But then you have some guys that get drafted in that spot, and then lo and behold, they shock everybody. And then before you know it, you're watching them on TV. And like, how did this happen? Right. But you, you never know. It's it's all about about luck and opportunities and timing. You know, all the guys that leave our program for the for professional baseball, there's a there's a right time to enter the draft, right? And what I mean by that is is you want to go in as a prospect. You know, you you want to go in when you have the best chance of climbing the ladder and making it to the big leagues. Now, obviously, the minor leagues is a chance to develop. College uh, also a place where you develop, but you, you want to enter pro ball when your game is at its best, mm-hmm. so to speak, so that you can make your way through the minor leagues because of 
how difficult it is and how tough the competition is going to be. So, you know, some guys, it's 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 time for them to go. Other guys, they need a, a you know another year, even though they're draft eligible. There's a whole lot that goes into it, and there's a lot of conversations that go on between the player and the scout, the player and their coaching staff, and you just hope that the players you know listen to the best information possible. I didn't mention Hayden Cantrell, of course. He's with uh, the Double A team. He's part of the uh, the Brewers. Um, my last thing on on minor league ball, I have for you. I was talking to Coach Matt Deggs Monday, and he was saying, I wish we could play more. You know, I wish we had more games in college baseball. You know, if we want to be a development for the next level, the more we play, the better it is. From a development standpoint, obviously the minor leagues is what it is. I don't know what what better solution you have. You need to develop guys before they go up to the to the big leagues. But how you play in the minor leagues and sort of the setup of it is a little different, right? Guys ultimately are playing to go somewhere else. Guys are trying to do whatever they can to get to the next level. A manager is maybe, my point is the game maybe is played a little bit different than it would be in college where it's more of mimicking how you play in the majors, right? We're trying to we're trying to win our conference. We're trying to win a championship. We're trying to do this. In the minor leagues, I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of postseason they have, but if anyone out there listening knows who the minor league champion is in each one, um, I, I actually think you might have a problem. It might have an issue. It's from that standpoint is in some regards, college baseball better at developing or getting a guy ready for the majors as opposed to minors simply because of how the game's played. Does that make sense? Because you can be well, in the minors for I years, agree with and then you, you say, get to the majors, and it's like, well, I've been, I have to relearn how to compete the way I'm supposed to in a baseball game. I agree with with the way you um, described the college game versus the, the major the major league level. I got you as far as championships and team and and all this stuff in the minor leagues. It's it's trying to get there. It's it's each man for himself it really is i mean it's still a team it's a team concept they compete for championships and like you mentioned there's a there's a champion in each minor league double a single a triple a there's championships and there's a champion at the end of each season but the bottom line is those guys are trying to get to the big leagues so it's it's each guy for for himself it really is at the college level it's not that that's that's not how you win at the college level You've got it's got to be team, and, and you've got to play for each other, and you've got to sacrifice. Just like once you finally do make it to the major league level, so I do think the college game mimics the major league game more. But I think you need that minor league system to get yourself ready because there's just so much of a difference between. And I know football doesn't have it, basketball doesn't have it. I realize that, but. There's also not as many rounds in the draft, excuse me, of those drafts either. You know, they're taking only the very, 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 very best players for basketball and football in the drafts, right? I mean, if baseball just had, let's say there were no minor leagues, and if baseball just had a, a few rounds and they were taking those, you know, top five rounders, those guys are 
just about ready for the big leagues as well. They would be able to go from college to yeah. a big league roster because you see some of them do it already. The first rounders, the second rounders, they don't spend more than a year or two in the in the minor league system anyway. But when you have so many rounds and all those teams that they have to fill, then I think you definitely do need that. If you cut out cut out rounds six through 40. Like you had a few years ago. I mean, Hayden Cantrell almost was back at UL, but there were five rounds, the COVID draft, and he went in the fifth. And right. Yeah, you take you take those all the extra rounds out and you're just drop, drafting the absolute best players. I think they could go straight from here to there, but that's not the way it's done. So because of that, you can't take a 40th rounder and get him straight to the big leagues. You like minor league games? Do you like attending them or not really? Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, I don't go to that many, but whenever we get an opportunity when we're in a a city playing that has a minor league team or something something nearby, we'll take the team to a minor league game just so that they can get an up-close view of what it's like if this is what they want to do. Years ago, when I worked at a summer camp, um, two summers, there would be like one day where they'd be like, all right, Scott, kids can sign up. You can put them in a van. You can drive to Asheville and you could take into a minor league game, and you could tell that the the, the players weren't used to because I had all these kids, these young kids, just screaming like they were absolutely insane. They they're out of summer camp. It's almost like kids being out of school on a field trip. And I'll just never forget all the Asheville tourists getting out of the dugout after the first inning. One of the guys said, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> One of the players was like, "These kids are crazy." Adam, Adam cheering random stuff. It was fun. It was fun. I've been to a few minor league games as well, not just with, you know, as a counselor, but with others. It uh, it's fun, man. It's hard to. It's just it's a it's baseball, but it's different, right? I love college baseball. I like major league baseball. I love that competitive edge. And you guys are competing at a high level right now, Coach. Uh, series sweep at Georgia State. Want to get into all things raging Cajun baseball when we come back getting ready for a trip to Boone and more. We're going to talk, continue to talk with Louisiana Rage Cajun assistant baseball coach Anthony Babineau in studio when we come back right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey, this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to three on the Rich Eisen Show. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back to the great Scott Show. Scott Brather, assistant Raging Cajun baseball coach Anthony Babineau in the house in studio. Hanging out with you on a Wednesday morning in Louisiana. No midweek games this week or next week. But you did come back from a long road trip at Georgia State. You got another long one to Boone this weekend against App State. And, Bab, looking back at the weekend against the Panthers... Um, I've talked to you about this throughout the season. I've talked to Coach Deggs about it. When when the Cajuns don't give up 
the freebies when they're not generous is, you know, the polite way that Coach Deggs likes to put it. Um, you guys could beat anybody in the country. And this past weekend, you have four walks all weekend. I mean, solid defense. Uh, I think you guys are second in conference right now in fielding percentage. Super aggressive at the plate. It was, in terms of, I think, the style that you guys try to play with day in, day out, you were able to do it throughout the weekend. We really were. I mean, the weekend, for all intents and purposes, was flawless. It, it really was. We played great defense. You just mentioned our pitching was outstanding, especially when you talk about getting two complete games, Saturday, Sunday, Schultz and Wilson, Friday, those three guys split that game up 3-3-3 three, 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 tremendously. I mean, there were some big, big pitches made in Friday's game because Friday's game was the the closest one, right? The the back and forth a little bit. And then we go up with the solo homer in the ninth by Kimple. And then we hang on in the bottom. Those last three innings, Jacob Hammond makes some huge, huge pitches. And before that, the three innings before that, Bo Bonds made huge, huge pitches. And then the first three innings, Tally had to make some huge pitches to keep the scoring down. So just tremendous pitching by our guys the entire weekend, and our guys offensively executed to perfection. They really did. Uh, probably the best that they have all season. Uh, you know, we've had some some very well-executed games, but when you talk about a series, three games back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, a weekend of doing it, it was just it was fun. It really was. It was a great weekend. Uh, the weather was perfect. It was just a great weekend. It was nice. You mentioned Jake Hammond. Um, he's uh, maybe not getting enough pub. He's been really sharp. Uh, Coach, I know Coach Deggs makes it a point to bring him up uh, the last couple of weeks when we've chatted. But you talk about the pin and not giving up the free stuff and being just dependable um he's he's been really he's he's a guy that i feel like just deserves a little more shine well he he has been really really good his velocity is climbing you know he's always been a locator so so he's never walked many people you know even when he pitched in the fall but he's just been he's been really hot lately he really has and and he does he does deserve a lot of pub um because he's he's pitching tremendously and and he's very dependable very he's very reliable right now it seems like from you know going to the starting pitching and you mentioned the two complete games this weekend um with your experienced guys and your fifth year seniors and tally and schultzy and and wilson when they don't if you don't get to them early they all kind of settle in right like if you get to them early how long do you hold it? How long do you ride with it? If you don't get to them in the first two innings, I just feel like, okay, you the Cajuns, they got the opponent where they want them because now these guys, it seems to be similar for all three of those guys. Well, they're so they're so old and, and experienced and knowledgeable about what they're doing. I mean, you're right. If, if, if you don't get to them early, they, they're able to figure out your weaknesses. You know, um, and, and they just start to exploit that as the savvy, game gets right? as the game gets further along, and and all three of them have the ability to 
backwards pitch, which I know you know what that means. And, and um, you know, so the, the, the way that they throw the beginning of the game doesn't mean uh, it isn't necessarily how they throw at the end of the game. As far as patterns that they get in, you know, they're able to, to all do that. So, and look, there's been some teams that, that have gotten to them early and, and often, and they haven't been able to stay in very long. All three of those guys are on different locations. But there's also been a lot of times where they've gotten to them early for, for a couple, but then they've settled in. And then it was not much the rest of the way. So just fortunate that we have, you know, that experience on the mound those three days and, and that, you know, it's really, really nice when and we've been able to do this for the majority of the season it's really nice from weekend to weekend you know to have your three pitchers be the same your three starters the same because when that happens that means you're doing pretty well it really does and and those three guys have locked down friday saturday sunday for for quite a while now so it's 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 a luxury to have so to speak as compared to every week in your staff meetings, okay, who who we go with Saturday, you know, mm-hmm. TBA Sunday to, you know, heaven forbid you get a TBA on, on Friday. <laughs> you know, that's when that happens. But it, but it's like that sometimes. Uh, but fortunately, we've been able to have some consistency in all, all three of those spots. Anthony Babineau, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. I'm Scott Brather. Uh, getting to the, the offense is 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 Carson Rockford on All American this year because he's playing like it? I think he absolutely is. I think he absolutely is. You know, I, on on somebody's on somebody's list, he's got to be. You know, and now I know that there's guys in the country that are doing just what he's doing, if if not better. But but he's definitely having an All American type season. If if an All American is someone who who can hit for average can put up power numbers, can can come through in the clutch when their team needs them, then, then that's Carson Rockerford for sure. I mean, he, he could finish this year with a three fifty batting average and 60 RBI and 15 or 16 homers. and I think he's going to finish with more than 60. He's got 50 right now. There you go. You know, I mean, or one shy of 50 right now. And, and 70 maybe. A ton of st- stolen bases as well. Like, I, I look at how he's projecting, and you go, oh, well, you're just projecting. Well, I can when a guy is as consistent as he's been. And I think Correct. that's what's been most impressive to me about him. You see guys, sometimes, Bab, come onto the scene, a lot of success at the plate. Scouting report gets out there. Oh, why are they in a slump? Oh, what's happening? Well, the other team gets to play too. Mm-hmm. For him to be as consistent as he is, I think is, I mean, as a coach, how much of an asset is it when you know, I know what I got in this guy. I trust him and I know what I have every single time out. Well, it's a great feeling. It really is because you you start to, not just the coaches, but the team, you depend on those guys. When those guys step to the plate, you just know, well, you don't know something great is going to happen, but it gives you, it gives you the warm and fuzzies, you know, it, you just, you, the you get, ex- fuzzies. you get excited, <laughs> you get excited when, when guys like that step to the plate, mm-hmm. especially when there's guys on base, because you just. You just have a feeling that something good is going to happen, that they're going to drive those runners in. And for the most part, all season long, that's what Rock's been doing. He's been very consistent. And, you know, he shoulders that burden. He really does. It's The pressure's not too big for him. He doesn't 
he doesn't mind being that guy, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is tasked with that responsibility. And he's done a tremendous job. He's responded well to – and, look, we put a lot of pressure on him too because he's a great player. We know he's a great player. We know he can handle it. We put a lot of pressure on him also. When, when, when he's not getting it done, I mean, you can ask Carson. When he's not getting it done, he gets called out because, hey, man, you've shown that this is you, so let's go. Here's the standard. That's right. Here's the standard. You set a standard for yourself, and, and you're not living up to it. You know, and that's with all of our guys. But Carson is a, an unbelievable young man, and, and just he, deserve, he works hard. He deserves the success that he's getting. When you mentioned when he's when there's guys on base, when the bottom of the order plays like they did this past weekend, um, the whole lineup it's just it's potent, right? And I think there was a, a stretch there for a while where you got Kempel, Marshak, uh, Carson, and then Tyler Robertson talking about protecting Rocco. Um, how much of these lineup moves are because of him? Whether it be because of like we said, you know what you're going to get, so there's the dependability there. And how much of it is we want to protect this guy in the lineup because he's he's a, our best offensive player, right? He's an All-American. Well, you always want to protect those guys, and, and fortunately we've had guys throughout the year that have been able to protect Carson. And, and you just mentioned when the bottom of the lineup does a little bit, that's when the bottom of the lineup does things, that's when you can have games like you had Sunday when you can just run teams out of the park because everybody's top for the most part stays pretty consistent. And then the bottom, you can have some hot guys at the bottom, obviously some guys with high averages at the bottom, but it usually falls off a little Mm -hmm. bit in everybody's lineup. But when you have a game where the bottom does, does a little something and then the top does what they normally do, you can, you can score a lot of, you can score runs in bunches and, you know, that's what happened on on Sunday for us. and But our lineup has gotten very, very consistent. That's been another key to, to our success over this second half. Obviously, Marshak returning to the lineup, that, that's been a catalyst for us. And you know, I mentioned before, just you know, pitching staff, guys finding roles. We've been consistent on the weekend. We've played good defense the entire season. It's just... Now that now we're we're playing very 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 consistent, guys are getting comfortable in roles, positions, spots, and you're seeing you're seeing some consistent success. Uh, the task now is to finish hot. We've got to finish strong. We don't have very much margin for error. You know, our RPI is at a fairly good place, and we've got to keep it there. The only way to keep it there from here on in is to continue to win. That's the only way to keep it there because, you know, the teams that we're going to be playing from here to the end of the season, with the exception of one or two, maybe the RPIs are not very good. So we've got to do our part and win games. Teams that have good RPIs that we've played already, that we've beaten, those guys have to continue to win. You know, that's that's how it all works. So... We're looking forward to what the what the end may may bring. You know, we know we've got a good club, and and we know we've got a club that can compete at a very high level. But we've got to get there, and that's that's on us. RPI. We're gonna tackle that, unpack it a little bit more when we come back. The state of the Sun Belt Conference, the future of the Sun Belt Conference as well, and uh, look ahead to this weekend as Louisiana travels to Boone and battles 
Appalachian State. All of that coming your way with Louisiana assistant baseball coach Anthony Babineau. This is the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Shoulda and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Back into the great Scott show, Coach Bab getting fired up listening to So What You Want. Last week, the the 30 year anniversary of Check Your Head. Best you album of all time. You say 30 years? 30 years. Mm-hmm. That is uh, Phil Devey's favorite Beastie Boys song and Coach Seth Thibodeau's favorite. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I don't remember what you, what did you tell me yours was? It's been a while since I asked you. Man, I like a lot of no sleep tills. Pretty good. There you go. It's um, RPI. Cajun fans been flood my inbox with it, and all I can say is kind of what you alluded to earlier. I I shouldn't even say alluded to. Just spelled out. Look, it's it's improved. It's good, but there's not a lot of margin for error. I think you guys are 44 right now. Now you've you've been moving up as of now. Your non-conference, well, not as of now. I mean, your non-conference schedule. I guess you have a few more games left, and and you know you play Rice twice and Nichols. But was it fourth in the country in terms of strength Correct. of schedule? Yes, four. I mean that coupled with the two wins against Georgia Southern and sweeping Georgia State, you guys are moving up there. And the Sun Belt is a league. When you look at you and the Georgia schools and and Texas State, to name a few, is good. But then you have some like Little Rock and UTA. That aren't good. App State, it's somewhere in the middle of college. I think it's like 149 or something. Um, you've been in this game a long time, Bab. Has RPI Watch always been what it is? Like, when was the first time you remember in your life someone's, like, you really kind of were zoning in on RPI? Did you do it as a player? Was it when you were coaching? No, definitely not as a player. I don't, I don't remember exactly when RPI came to be as important as it is now. I really don't remember it hasn't been, at least to my recollection, that long ago. I mean, over the last 10 to 10 years, maybe, 10 to 15 years is when the, when the RPI became a criteria for selection into the NCAA tournament when you started to, to follow it more closely and you started to think about it whenever you did your when you put a schedule together and and things like that but it's definitely something to follow now because it's a criteria that they use it really is so again the rest of the way 
not that very many opportunities to improve our RPI with the exception of just winning games. Obviously, the more you win, the better your RPI is going to be. Fortunately, we've got some victories over teams with very good RPIs, so that's part of the formula. Also, it's your winning percentage, your opponent's winning percentage, your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. So everybody that we've played that has a great RPI that we've beat, we're their biggest fans, obviously, because the more they win, the better that does for us. But you also, you just have to take care of your own business. I mean, none of that matters if we don't take care of business these last four weekends that we have before the conference tournament starts. Has RPI caused some baseball fans to approach the games with more of a football mindset? Like they put so much emphasis on RPI that when, when you're in a situation like you currently are, that like a midweek loss or a loss here, there is maybe blown out of proportion. Does that make sense? Like, because you said it, right? You, you, the chances to improve the RPI, there are not that many left, but there are a lot more opportunities to hurt the RPI. And so, but then again, it's baseball. You know, you can't look at it with a football mentality, but I think RPI creates a little bit more of that, at least among the fan base, in my opinion. And I'm not just speaking specifically about UL, just in general. Right. Yeah, I think that, I think that comes into play. But, but as you mentioned, it's not, they're two different animals. You know, it's, it's, it's not football. So, we we just it, you know. Before before RPI came into uh, account, you know, generally, if you you know you finish good in your league, you know, especially when when the, the Sun Belt back in the, I guess what was it the early two thousands, you know, we were putting three teams consistently in the regionals and sometimes four, and kind of gotten away from that for quite a few years this year looks like you know it could be another another season with with three potentially yeah. four who knows depending on how things finish and and then you know moving forward with southern miss coming in old dominion james madison marshall you've got four other very good baseball playing schools that will do nothing but continue to boost you know the conference rpi which right now is i know at one point just very very short time ago was five i looked the other day i saw it was seven i don't know what it is currently but when when you hover you know in that range just under the big four you know that's that's really good and that's when multiple teams get in that's when the regular season champion even though they may not win the tournament is a shoe in to get in sometimes the second place finisher is a shoe to get in because the league as a whole has done so well it's it's undoubtedly trending upward um you mentioned a stretch there where the Sun Belt, from a baseball standpoint wasn't what it had been in years past currently three maybe four as you said it's gonna be a multi multi-bid t- uh league this year in, in my opinion um in many opinions and i'm sure that of the committee as well and you're adding to like southern miss and old dominion um Improving the RPI as a conference. You can control to an extent your non-conference schedule. And I know you're in charge of scheduling and easier said than done. I mean, Bab can't just schedule whoever the heck he wants. There's a process. But, I mean, Coach Matt Deggs and you, you, go, you get out there and you schedule really tough teams every year. Um, when the Sun Belt's RPI starts to jump up the way it is right now, 
That's the ultimate recipe. That and a tough non-conference schedule. Well, if you if you're not a bad team and you're a good to great team, you're going to get in most years with that formula. So you can't control what other teams do. You can control what you do, but when the Sun Belt as a whole is taking care of business, it makes your life a little bit easier when it comes to RPI watch. It was certainly does. That's why you know those other leagues, those bigger leagues, they. That's why their RPI number is is so good yeah. all the time. Even the teams, even the teams in those leagues that don't have great records, their RPI is still really good because they're playing teams week in and week out in their leagues that have great RPI. So their stays okay. Now, now you can't just have a good RPI. You obviously have to win games as well. You've got to have a respectable record, and but having a conference that has a high RPI or a low RPI number is definitely a good thing. And, you know, that helps non-conference wise because, you know, maybe now you don't have to schedule such a, you still want to play good people, obviously, but you don't have to schedule quite as tough of a non-conference schedule because your conference schedule picks up a little bit of that slack. It's kind of a give and take year to year. Um, It really is. Louisiana Rage Cajuns uh, going to App State this weekend. How do you guard against not focusing too much on RPI? Because Coach Degg said, look, you have to, as a coach, you have to pay attention to it. You have to. But you can't let it be a no-all, end-all. you got to focus on the opponent at hand. Well, um, absolutely you do. And, you know, that's that stuff, that's, that's for us – as the adults, as the coaches, to worry about the players. They just have to go and play. They have to understand it. They have to understand what each game means and and the impact that it can have on the type of season that they want to have. But they just got to go out and play, and I suspect that they'll do the same this weekend. It's a really – you've heard us say this. It's a really, really close group. They really play for each other. They enjoy the game. They're tough. They're in great physical shape. And they just, you know, the road, the road doesn't, doesn't hurt them. The travel, the long days, the, it, it doesn't affect them. Right. It really doesn't because they're so, they're strong-minded. They're, they're strong phys- physically. You know, it doesn't, we're going halfway across the country, you know, uh, again this week and, it's not going to bother. It really won't. They're going to get out there and and they're going to be ready to go after a, a good practice on Thursday night. And you know we look forward to another great weekend. What's the key this weekend against a team like App State, who I would admittedly I don't I haven't scouted. I don't know a ton about them. No, no, you haven't. No, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Come sorry, on. guys. Hey, at least I'm honest, coach. Yes, honesty <laughs> is always. Someone the best called policy. the other day. They're like, "Hey, tell me all about App State." I'm like. Google it. They play in Boone. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, right. Not to say that, like, there are some other teams in the Sun Belt I know a bit a bit better. This is not one of them. And I imagine next year when you add some schools and you're there, there are going to be a number of schools y'all don't play every year. Right. And I may not know a ton about them either, guys. I'm just saying. Right. No, the key to this weekend is the key to every weekend. We've just got to, we've got to concern ourselves with what we do well. When we are good at what we do well, we generally have success. 
And and that's going to be the key again this weekend. If we can execute on command offensively, same thing pitching-wise. If we can execute pitches and locate, play defense, we're good. We're very, very good. When that doesn't happen, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It could be a team in our league or it could be a high school team that we're playing. If If we don't execute and we make mistakes and we give things away, we're not going to have success. So the formula is is always the same. Obviously, there's a game plan, and, and you've got to attack certain games different ways because of who may be pitching or, or things like that. But that's stuff that we break down in, in watching video and mm-hmm. the scouting report. But for the most part, it's it's all on us. It really is. It's a matter of us executing offensively on the mound, defensively those things happen we'll we'll be successful and it'll be another great weekend a few minutes left here with coach anthony babineau always appreciate you coming in yesterday jay and i were talking about rpi and georgia southern being third and thinking back to after the opening weekend he and i were sitting there like looking at what sunbelt schools did the first weekend of of the baseball season we're like man I mean, we feel like georgia southern's got a really good team this year but they just like got slaughtered, like thirty-three to three. I mean, it wasn't that they lost to ten. And then, of course, as it turns out, Tennessee is, I mean, ridiculous. Pretty good. <laughs> Redi- I mean, uh, rid- abs- absurdly good. <clears throat> I mean, there's not. I can't remember college baseball teams like this one. They're just, and you know, they they lost one game, conference game, and they lost one non-conference game was to Tennessee Tech, uh, a midweek game, three to two, and. Danny Reed, the play-by-play guy at Georgia Southern, I didn't realize that he informed me that that was a wooden bat game. Have you guys done a wooden bat game before? Like, I didn't even know it was a thing. Not, not for real. The, yeah, like, I didn't in realize practice, it was but... a thing in college baseball, and apparently Danny was saying, yeah, some some teams do it a few times a year. I had no idea. I think that's, yeah, that's just an agreement by the, by the two schools. There's nothing that says that you can't do it. Right. It's just... Nobody does it for right. obvious reasons. Why, why would you? So, right. why would you? I guess if both teams agree, but like, is it for promotion? Like, I just didn't even know it was a thing. It just surprised me. Yeah, they're they're having a the year they're having is is tremendous, and and you look at it and like, holy cow! Look at the numbers they're putting up, and look at their record. You know, and we forget. You know, we've had two seasons like that. You know, the two thousand team the. 2014 team when you talk about records i mean the 2000 team at one point was 30 and 4 that's what tennessee's doing pretty good right now you know um the 2014 team i remember that one well silly numbers like that so you know you look at that and say holy cow but you know oh, yeah. we've done that a couple times ourselves and and uh i can tell you firsthand that's some kind of fun when you're doing that. Yeah, those boys at Tennessee right now, they're, they're having some kind of fun. I can promise that to you. Um, into 2014 regular season, unanimous number one in every poll. Mm-hmm. And um, there are no guarantees. Tennessee None. can have this season, man. And, you know, when the expectations are that high because you're that good, it's it's championship or bust. I know that was y'all's mentality entering the postseason. Um Baseball, as good as they are now, when you get to the postseason. And that's that's just what sets the postseason apart. There's mm-hmm. nothing like it in any sport. And in college baseball, it's it's unique for a lot of reasons. But um, it'll be here before we know it, man. We're, we're wrapping up April here. You guys will head to Boone and come Sunday morning in Game 3. You'll be in the month of May. And I know you guys' goal is 
on Memorial Day to see that name flash up on the screen and get ready for a regional. So it's uh, it's closing time right now, but I'll be listening this weekend, Coach. Safe travels, and always appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Scott. Have a great afternoon. That is Anthony Babineau. Big thanks to him. Thanks to Garrick Rattler, who came in uh, on the show in the 7 o'clock hour. Thanks to all you for listening. Pro NOLA segment is going to take place tomorrow, so we'll have Gus Kattengill on. Joe Bruce are going to be a guest, all that and more. I'll talk to you guys then. Until next time, this is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.